broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you with the right people. I'm Adrian McIntyre, and I'm joined in the studio today, our virtual studio, by three very interesting women with unique perspectives on the mining industry. This is a first part of our three-part series on mega women in the mega region Women in Mining. And here to tell us about that and what this is all about is my co-host for this mini-series, Jennifer Burge. Jennifer is the CEO of Worldwide Coaching and Training, based in Phoenix, Arizona and in Hermosillo, Sonora. Jennifer has lived and worked all around the world. She's a dual national of the United States and Australia. You might have met Jennifer previously when she visited our studios in 2019 to talk a little bit about her work. Jennifer, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be here. Why don't you give us a brief introduction to this series? Who are the mega women? What is the mega region? What is this all about? Well, first of all, I'm uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to shed light on this interesting topic. As you mentioned, these are extremely interesting women and professional female miners. And it's not a topic that comes to mind, I think, for top of mind for everybody, even though mining is so critical to our region. I will start by giving you the history of how I got to know these women as well as many other outstanding women in the mining industry in Arizona and Sonora. As you said, the last time I was on your show in 2019, I was talking about how excited I was to have the opportunity to be working in Mexico and teaching and coaching intercultural communication uh, with mining clients and partners in Sonora, in Mexico City. Basically, I was spending much of my time there, but what I was so excited about was how much innovation I was seeing in Mexico after having been on the other side of the world for such a long time. Prior to COVID, I had been spending much of my time in Sonora working with mining clients and partners on intercultural communication for the sector. And part of that network included members of the U.S. State Department based in the U.S. consulates in Hermosillo and Nogales. Through them, I was made aware of the POWER initiative, which stands for Providing Opportunities for Women's Economic Rise and Promotes Women's Economic Empowerment and Leadership Internationally. My partner in the proposal that was submitted is the General Director of the Mining Cluster of Sonora, Dr. Margarita Bejarano Celaya. Together, we created a winning proposal, Worldwide Coaching and Cluster Minero de Sonora, to establish a communication channel across Arizona and Sonora for women in mining, which is quite unique for our, to our region, with the sponsorship of the U.S. Consulate General Nogales and the State Department's Bureau of Energy Resources, we co-organized Las Mineras, Mega Women of the Mega Region, on International Women's Day, which is March 8th of 2021. The forum connected 124 women, yes, 124 women across Arizona and Sonora in one place to discuss challenges of women miners and women-owned businesses and the value chain on both sides of the border. It was an opportunity for established leaders and up-and-coming leaders to build future alliances and create awareness of opportunities in the energy sector, which is critical to energy transition is something you'll hear more about as we go on. We were very fortunate to have Consul General Laura Biedebach of Nogales, as well as Ambassador Virginia E. Palmer, Principal Deputy Secretary for the Bureau of Energy Resources, participate in the event, as well as the Executive Coordinator of the Sonoran Institute for Women, Blanca Luz Saldana, who joined us on behalf of the Governor of Sonora, Claudia Pavlovich. 
Overall, in the program, we had 24 outstanding women in their fields to participate in the event, which consisted of four panels and four individual presentations on topics that ranged from current state of mining in the region, skills and strategies for business success in mining, higher education for women in mining, and cross-border collaboration. It was a resounding success, which generated a great deal of enthusiasm, due to which we continue to find ways to collaborate and strengthen the network so that we can all operate stronger together. So through these three interviews that I'm going to do with you, you will meet six of these mega women. Well, this is very exciting to me because I know mining in Arizona is a huge industry. It's very critical to the economy and a lot of other things are connected to it. I also understand, but only very superficially, that mining is equally important in our sisters to the South. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I'm excited with this angle of women leaders in the industry, because again, that's just counterintuitive, probably because of stereotypes as an outsider. Maybe there are stereotypes as an insider. Why don't we get to our guests and find out a little bit about them and have them start to share their expertise with us? Who's joining us today, Jennifer? Today, we are joined by Andrea Maria Boltz, Sustainability Program Specialist at Freeport McMoran, who's based here in Phoenix, and Maria Lopez de la Rosa, Exploration Administrative Manager at Silvercrest Metals. Maria, would you like to start off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Thank you for the invitation. As Jennifer said, I'm an Exploration Administrative Manager. I'm in charge of the administration of all the Exploration Department at Silvercrest Metals in Mexico. I'm based in Mexico in Hermosillo, Sonora, but I work in two mine sites. Well, it's one, it's exploration site, and the other one is um, a mine in construction. La Chispas is the, the mine that it's developing right now, and El Picacho, that it's an exploration project that it's in a very early stage right now. And what I do basically is from starting a project to making it happen. So I did it with La Chispas in 2015. I started from scratch with a geologist and with the direction of the corporate in Vancouver, the company is based in Canada. And we have now a very big team in Mexico it's really great to have you, Maria. Thanks so much for joining us. Andrea Boltz, tell us a little bit about you and your work and the company that you're with. It's obviously a significant player in the industry. Interested to hear a little bit from you about that. Certainly. Thank you, Adrian and Jennifer, for the invitation to be here. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a thrill. So I've worked internationally in the mining industry for about 20 years, uh, ranging from corporate development, communications, and, uh, and sustainability. I currently work at Freeport McMoran, based here, as Jennifer mentioned, in Phoenix, Arizona, headquartered here uh, across the company's global sustainability programs, uh, including risk management. I was born and raised in a mining family, actually. My, my father was a geological engineer and developed projects around the globe, but primarily in North and South America, including a huge amount of work in Arizona and Sonora. Um, my mother was a geologist and specialized in hydrology here in Arizona, so runs in the blood, I guess. <laughs> um, so I began, like I said, a mining career in investor relations and corporate development for small to mid-cap mining and exploration companies, Canadian companies, but primarily in, in South America. And, and really during that time, 
with those companies. Firsthand, I saw opportunities, great opportunities for you know better performance, increased performance, and and transparency with regards to sustainable development and civic engagement within the mining industry and with the you know with the local communities uh, and with kind of the broader stakeholder group in general. Um, so then, really focused on sustainability and uh, went back to grad school, got a master's degree in corporate sustainability at Harvard. And then I've also worked in the NGO or the non-governmental organization space as an infrastructure, sustainable infrastructure analyst with the Inter-American Development Bank and uh, in Harvard School of Design, Graduate School of Design. And then also at here locally at ASU through a National Science Foundation funded project on urban resilience uh, to extremes, to climate extremes. So a bit of a variety in my in my background, but kind of all culminates into what I do now. Now, Jennifer, you're going to lead us into some of the nuances of this conversation uh, as an intercultural communications expert and someone who's worked closely with these leaders in a variety of ways. I'm sure you're going to touch on some of the more subtle and sophisticated aspects of these topics. But I got to ask the kind of boneheaded beginner question, which is, can somebody please give us some sense of the scope and the scale of this industry. Give us the explanation for the fourth grader of, uh, you know, why is mining so important? Where does it happen? Kind of what's this all about? And then, Jennifer, I'll let you lead us into some of the more subtle uh, aspects of this topic. But who could give us that overview? Well, I I can tell you, Adrian, that uh, when I was doing the research for the proposal, I discovered that Arizona ranks second in the United States for mining production. And neighboring Sonora ranks first in Mexico. So that right there is a pretty significant fact about how important it is to all of us. Maria, would you like to give us a little bit about the landscape for mining in Sonora? Yeah, Sonora is a very rich zone of of mining and it's a mining district. It has one of the biggest projects in the world of copper, silver, gold. And what where I work is in the Sonora River Valley. There's the Cananea is one of the cities that has a very big mine of copper. And then Bacuachi, Arispe, Banamichi, all these little towns that has mines. We are very familiar with the mining industry in all Sonora because it's it's you can you you know everyone works in the mine or your family, it's related. So it's it's very familiar to work with mining. And it's one of the biggest in, incomes in, in the government is from the mining industry. Andrea, you grew up in a mining family that could have potentially gone two ways. One is, I want nothing to do with this. And the other is the way that you ended up, which is, I'm actually going to continue that tradition. Talk a little bit about that. What led you to embrace this industry and decide that you were going to become a leader within it? Funny question. Uh, Growing up, I really didn't want anything to do with mining. So it's kind of ironic that I'm here today, um, but it just sort of became a kind of an organic development. Studying geography in my undergrad um, at university, really, you know, fo- focused more on kind of, you know, kind of the environmental aspect and and the earth itself really sparked an interest in understanding better um, 
mining and, you know, and what my family was doing. So that is an interesting question. And I'm still trying to figure it out how I'm back in mining, but it just seemed like a a natural fit after moving around and and doing lots of different stuff (laughs) um, here back in mining again. And like I said, it's been now about about 20 years since I've been doing it. So I'm fully enjoying it and, and, you know, hope to continue in the industry. Well, just a quick little side note. I grew up in a radio station. My family was a radio family. My dad ran a small nonprofit radio station. And starting from the age of five, I was on the radio. And if you had caught me in my teens and 20s, I would have told you I wanted nothing to do with that. It was embarrassing. We had produced a children's radio show that had been on the air for 20 years, even though we only recorded it between when I was five and eight. So now I'm 28 and my little squeaky six-year-old voice is still on the radio. And it was, you know, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Now circle back full circle. I've done a bunch of other things, but here I am doing radio. Maria, what about you? How did you get into all this? Good question. Well, I am an educator, nothing to do with mining. My parent is a civil engineer and he works in mine. And my mother, she she works in, in home. But they all, well, my dad always told me like, you should study an engineer. Like you're more into like all of this in, in mining, you should try mining. But no, I study bachelor's degree in education and a master's degree in education. And I work in, in the education in, in college, giving classes and doing research. But unfortunately, the salaries in education are very low. And I had a lot of bills to pay. And my dad told me, like, try mining. Just go and, and apply for a job and see because you have the English and, and you like to work in the field. But no, I didn't apply for a technical job in, in a mining site. I did it in the office. I, so I started as a secretary, as a receptionist, and then I moved to administrative assistant and then to the vice president assistant, like corporate assistant. And in 2015, Silvercrest sold the company to another, um, to First Majestic. They had the Santa Elena mine in Benamichi. They sold all the employees and, and I was the only one that was outside of the package. <laughs> and I started to do uh, Silvercrest 2.0. So from scratch, like starting the company, hiring personnel, opening the bank accounts, like doing everything, doing the negotiations with the landowners, doing like the contractors. That's the the most challenging <laughs> where I learned more to um, deal with, with the contractors. So it was very challenging, but also a lot of learning opportunities that that's what I love and, and that's where I found my passion always when I'm learning something. So it's always learning and learning with the mining industry. And that's from my education side that I I like. (laughs) And I love geology. That's the other aspect that I found that in mining now that I work together with the geologists, it's very, very awesome to just go inside the the mine side and, and, and check the geology, underground mines, or just exploring and, and walking on the field. So it's, it's very challenging, but also super fun. I love exploration. And that's the other thing. Um, I also work in, in, the op- in the operations side of the mining. 
But uh, it's always better when you start a project and then you see it becoming successful. It's like my my children now, La Chispas and El Picacho. That is the two projects that I've been um, working and I've been making it happen. So it's 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 always very very good to work in the mining industry. Since we can all actually see each other on this um, this webcast that we're looking at, I could see the glow in your face as you're talking about mining. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I never expected to find myself in this particular space either. I was basically adopted by the mining cluster of Sonora and some of the mining companies that uh, I got to know early on working in uh, Hermosillo. And I feel very fortunate for that because the women that I've met through this are all engaging. They're all courageous and very, very intelligent. I want to go to a few of the very specific areas that you guys specialize in. And Andrea, sustainability in mining, I must see that headline several times daily now when it, because most of the news that I read is having to do with mining. But as your, your title and your responsibility has to do with sustainability programs, could you help us understand what all of this is about? Certainly. So sustainability in mining, um, really it's, it's looking at your business and working within your business, within your organization to drive environmental stewardship, to drive improved environmental performance, to drive social justice uh, with the surrounding communities, with your workforce, you know, both within your organization and outside of your organization. That's really kind of in a nutshell, you know, kind of sustainability and mining encompassed. And uh, again, it's really driven by um, performance of, you know, of of an organization's core values and and business integrity uh, and ethics and and really a work of continuous improvement. Um, You know, the mining industry is a heavy industry. The extractives are heavy industries and, you know, involves a lot of work with stakeholders, stakeholder engagement, and really each component um, from the environmental perspective, from the social perspective, uh, and from the governance perspective, you know, that sort of ESG uh, terminology, environmental, social, and governance is, you know, each component works towards informing the other towards, you know, raising the bar in in your business activities, in what you do, both within the business and, like I said, you know, externally with, with the communities and your stakeholders. You know, it needs to be transparent, meaningful dialogue, fostering and bolstering trust within all of your stakeholder groups, um, which, like I said, is, you know, includes also within the company. You know, stakeholder groups in mining are so diverse and really just range the gamut of the world today. You know, it includes financial institutions, governments, local communities, NGOs, you know, civil society, industry groups, it really just goes on and on. So, so working together with all of those, like I said, to kind of raise the bar in, in, in your daily practices and in your business continuity, in which again, then helps support your business continuity, you know, into the future. I appreciate the explanation. I, I, I do understand uh, what sustainability means, but I think your description was quite helpful because what you described there the, um, is a collaborative, inclusive style of leadership in these programs, which is something that women excel at. So I can understand why you are passionate about the subject as well as successful in this particular area of mining. And I would now like to pass it to Maria to talk more about how important community relations are in the towns and the areas where the mines are 
being constructive. I think something that was mentioned before is choosing where to build the minds isn't exactly optional. So building those trusted relationships is critically important. What do you think, Maria? Totally, totally important. Without the community, we we don't have a mind. That's that's it. Like if the community doesn't want to have a mind, it doesn't happen. So it's it's very important to work together with the community and have a very good relationship with them. It's all about the the relationships and having constant communication with them. That's the other thing that I also do in the company. I I work very close with the community doing the community relationships. And the good thing we have in in Sonora is what I already mentioned, that we're all very familiar with the mining industry. So it's very easy when it comes to negotiating or or talking about mining to the communities. They already know what's 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 about mining. It's only explaining about the phases that we will be doing and and also to to let them know what what are we doing to work together. The other thing it's it that I found that it's um important to is the that every time that there is a project, like inviting them to work together. Right now, for example, with the COVID situation, we had to build a camp inside the mine site instead of having uh, people living in the community because the, the community from the mine site is very close. It's about 15 kilometers. So we had all, all of our personnel living in the town. And now because of the COVID the company didn't want to spread or to have uh, a risk um, because we have a lot of people that are living in other states, so a lot of traveling. And we avoid that building a camp outside to avoid the spreading of, of the COVID in the town. But it's also a bad thing for them that they're seeing because the economic impact is not happening now in the town. So it's Yes, working, trying to, to mitigate the COVID, but also now we left that side of the economic impact. So yes, we're, we're right now doing donations and explaining why we did this way. And it's going to be a temporary camp. That's what it, we always said. And hopefully we can impact uh, in the economic and in the town. But it's always a trigger on how to to have the relationship with the community and taking care of them, but also to, to spread the economic in, in the towns. Thank you for that. I can, I know that the, the mining communities have been very supportive uh, in COVID in, in Sonora and Andrea, I'm sure you have examples of where Arizona companies, mining organizations have been supporting communities with COVID as well. Yes, certainly. Uh, the mining industry uh, as a whole really, you know, really stepped in um, to support the local communities and its and its workforce, um, and continues to do so throughout this this COVID crisis. Um, I can speak more specifically to Freeport and and give some examples, of some specific examples of of how kind of Freeport provided support to the local communities here in Arizona delivering a warehouse full of medical supplies to hospitals, health clinics, 
um, and first responders. Um, Freeport also co coordinated um, funds from the company's um, United Way Matching Gifts Program for emergency relief and community support. Also committed funds to establish kind of a, a collective care center um, to provide accessible, more accessible healthcare services uh, for the local communities. Uh, we also worked with suppliers uh, in providing cleaning supplies, you know, that were very scarce, particularly at the onset of, of COVID and PPE, uh, personal protective equipment <laughs> for them um, to, you know, to help support their, um, them as well, you know, our, our suppliers that oftentimes uh, are, are smaller organizations and just and need that support. Water donations um, for nearby Native American tribes uh, to help the tribes with water shortages. Uh, vaccination clinics for the workforce, health education programs. Uh, we also collaborated, collaborated with local distilleries to produce um, cleaning solutions um, and wipes and, uh, you know, work with local hardware stores in um, getting uh, face masks available and, you know, readily available for the community. So lots of different items, you know, I, I could go on. Um, Oh, another one was is very interesting. We worked with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and some other partners on guidance to our our stakeholders and to local small businesses and and leaders of those small businesses on um, you know increasing their financial knowledge and and business recovery due to COVID. Just a few there. It's obvious that uh, in both Sonora and Arizona, the mining the mining industry is is very supportive of the local communities and. Uh, I appreciate you guys sharing these stories about how you how you've been working together. I definitely think we, as Adrian mentioned at the beginning of this program, that women in mining is not a topic that comes to everyone's mind specifically because it is quite. Uh, I, I think everyone thinks of it as a male-dominated industry, right? And so. I do want to touch on the topics of women in mining. That's why both of you are here and why all of this collaboration began was so that we could support one another. And I was reading, Maria, this from your speech that you gave in 2019 in Bonamici. This is a really interesting quote. She says, to those who believe that mining is a field for men, I must clarify that this idea has vanished. Things are changing. We are, we have entered a decade of inclusion. There is a place for todas y todos. I'm proudly a minor. So Maria, I'd like to know how you feel that's going. I'm sure you have some statistics about participation of women in mining in Sonora that you could share with us also. Sure, I do. Yes, I, I'm very promotive in gender equity at Silvercrest. The company itself it's, is part of, of their success is the gender equity, I believe so. Uh, in the executive team, 50% are women and the other 50 men. And in and that's in the executive in corporate. In 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 Mexico, I I I'm promoting to hire more women. And in exploration, we have geologists, we have um, helpers, we have a lot of, of women in participating at the mindset in, in positions that before you didn't see women working. 
and, and it's very challenging to change the mentality to the men <laughs> and, and some women too, but the men are sometimes I struggle a lot on letting them know, like, for example, the helper, when we try to, to, to hire a helper, it's always like, no, uh, a woman can't do that, that work or that job because they need to pull some core boxes that are heavy. And, and then I'm like, okay, see me, look, I can pull a, a, a core box. So it's always giving the example so they can see it with their eyes and giving the opportunity to women. And it's been working awesome because now the exploration manager at site, he is always asking me like, oh, okay, let's bring more women. And, and now it's, it's a positive impact in the, in the company that there's more, more women coming. And it's, and it's always good to see that, that different or that, um, people that are coming in and working and are accepting it. You know, it's fascinating to me that we have so far to go, just we as human beings, on getting ourselves out of the boxes that structures of patriarchy and language use and, you know, cultural dynamics have put us into in much earlier times, which don't serve us anymore, maybe never really did. But as we try to unwind all this, even the fact that we assume mining is male ought to be problematic. Like, why should mining be male? Why should anything be male? It's fascinating to me as a committed feminist, someone who is, as a cultural anthropologist, has worked all over the world in many different cultures, as we commonly use the term, that what you're really describing here, both of you, is at the intersection of so many of these things, because we have our own brand of toxic masculinity here in the United States. And of course, there's a lot that's been made of the issue of gender relations in the Hispanic Latino cultures. A lot of that is stereotypes and a lot of it does a disservice to the complexity of what's actually happening. Certainly doesn't acknowledge the important roles that women are playing in undoing the patriarchy there. Andrea, I'd love to hear a little bit from you on this as someone, again, who grew up in mining, but has been so many places and done so many things from the boardroom to the field, you know, how does this all look to you? Where are we at? What's the state of gender parity, equality, and all that good stuff from your perspective? As we know, as Maria mentioned and gave excellent examples with the core boxes and, and, and you, Adrian, as well, we know that women are underrepresented in mining. And while mining companies really across the board recognize that and are working toward increasing the percentage of women um, in their workforce. Um, this transformation takes time. Growing up in the industry, you know, <laughs> my mother was the only geologist of her graduating class, you know, in the 50s uh, and really paved the way, I think, for me as a woman and others around her when she was, you know, working in remote mining camps and the only woman there she had to take on a lot of uh, a lot of the responsibility of of housing of you know her her needs as a woman as opposed to you know say living in you know the the broader mining camp where the rest of the men were so she really um, I, I I really respect her for everything that she did and in, in helping pave the way and that's what we're we're kind of doing here too we're trying to you know just in general women have been shown to outperform particularly in, in, you know, key leadership qualities like team building and emotional intelligence. And really those can be applied to any discipline, 
But I think, you know, some of those have such a tremendous opportunity for the mining industry. Creative, inclusive organizations are more successful and more profitable. I think that's a very important point um, for sure, Andrea, that um, that research has been done, that when women are sit on boards and are in executive leadership positions, it does translate into higher profitability. I also want to point out that, you know, as much as we are talking in the framework of Arizona, Sonora, as I've been learning more about the mining industry, the issue of retention of women who are already in mining globally this has gotten quite a lot of press recently as well. And I, having Australia in my background, as, as Adrian mentioned, Australia is a huge mining country. So I did happen to find a, uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal oh, maybe only a week or two ago where a study was completed that stated that it was a sample of 1,000 women in mining in Australia. And 74% of those women had experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. 74%. It was only second to, I think, the telecommunications industry, which was uh, 80%. So, you know, we, we've touched on some of the issues that we face. And I, I think it's, I'm grateful that we have such powerful female leaders here in the mega region who are not only doing all of the incredible things that you are doing, but spending your time with us to help illuminate for others what those challenges are and how we can transcend them. I'm also curious in your ideas, both of you, about what strategies can we employ to make sure that we are giving other women a hand? What would be your top piece of advice? I think mentoring is so powerful. Being a mentor, being a mentee, working with, with groups of women that, that share that perspective of, of the importance of of the whole kind of a whole mentorship program to help other younger women coming into the industry or not necessarily younger, but, you know, say new graduates or even people, if they want to make a transition, other women that want to make a transition uh, into mining, but really um, having that support network and, and sort of that mentoring framework is, is key and helps everybody move forward. Maria. Yes. I will say um, mentoring is also very important. And I will add my advice is to speak up whenever there's a, a sexual harassment or, or your work environment is not good to speak up because if you don't say it out loud, and it, especially in Mexico, it's always this macho culture that, okay, it's normal that this guy is telling me all of this stuff because it's the way it is. No, it's not normal. So please speak up and put the complaint in the company or in the authorities, because that's, that's the main problem. I always heard from my colleagues that, oh yeah, I suffered this and, and this sexual harassment. And I'm like, did you put that complaint about it? So it's, it's super important to speak up and, and to stop this, because if, if we don't say it out loud, we are letting it happen and it will continue. So we need to, to stop and, and, and avoid this, this um, very bad things in, in, in the mining industry and in, in all the industries, right? But in the mining industry, it's, it happens a lot. Right. Now, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, I, so that, that, that article that I was speaking about was speaking about other industries, but I faced the same thing in the IT industry, which is also very male-dominated. 
Um, and I, I appreciate so much both of you being willing to share your thoughts on all of this. I do want to mention, as I think you're both aware, as you are part of the mega women of the mega region, you, you are aware that we are working on a mentorship program and a mentorship an ongoing session for women to share ideas and get support for one another across Arizona and Sonora. There are other groups in Arizona that do this really well, like Women in Mining, WIM Arizona. They also do mentorship. And it is so important that we all have each other's back. So thank you very much for giving your time today to be part of this. Maria Lopez de la Rosa is Exploration Administrative Manager with Silvercrest Metals. Andrea Maria Boltz is a sustainability program specialist with Freeport MacMoran. I want to thank you both for joining us here on the show. Thanks for your time and your insights in this important topic. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Adrian. My co-host for this series is Jennifer Burge, CEO of Worldwise Coaching and Training. Jennifer, you want to give us a little heads up as what we can expect from upcoming episodes of this What Lies Beneath special series on women in mining? Thank you, Adrian. Thanks again for your willingness to bring us on and let us talk, delve into these complicated issues. The next episode, we will have Margarita Bejarano Salaya, who is, as I mentioned before, the general director of the mining cluster of Sonora. And she and I will be talking about women in mines. And we're going to delve a little bit further into, as you mentioned, the toxic masculinity culture, as well as some of the cultural differences between Arizona and Sonora. And on the last episode, we will be having Nancy Morales Arango, Development Manager at Bureau of Veritas Minerals in Durango, and also one of our local celebrities of mining, international mining, Melissa Sanderson, who is president of Melissa Sanderson Consulting. And we'll be talking about more about sustainability and inclusion and mining. So this is just the beginning and we're going to go deeper. Excellent. Thank you, Jennifer. And thanks again, Andrea and Maria. For all of us here at phx.fm, I'm Dr. Adrian McIntyre. Thanks for listening. Please join us for the next episode of Valley Business Radio. 